Hi, I'm David Franklin, and you're listening to Episode 6 of Season 2 of the Shintaido of America podcast. Shintaido, in case you haven't heard this word, is an amazing body movement practice, a dynamic and creative holistic health exercise invented in Japan in the 1960s. Shintaido can be a way to open up to a deeper connection with ourselves, with our community, and with nature. In Episode 6 of Season 2, you're going to hear Chapters 7 and 8 of Michael Thompson's autobiography, Untying Knots. Michael is one of only four master instructors of Shintaido in the world today, the only non-Japanese master instructor, and, significantly, the only master instructor who had no prior background in martial arts before starting to practice Shintaido. In Chapter 7, Michael describes the dramatic end of his study with his first Shintaido teacher, Marc Bassis, in France, And in Chapter 8, we'll hear about the unexpected personality conflicts that occurred when a group of Japanese Shintaidoists visited a commune in Massachusetts on their way to California in the 1970s. Okay, ready? Here we go. Untying Knots, a Shintaido Chronicle by Michael Thompson. Chapter 7, Last Tango in Paris. I returned to France sometime in May, I think, and started thinking about my return home. Aoki, Ito, Hokari, and Okada were planning on making a tour of the U.S. later that summer and were going to fly via France and England, so I made arrangements to take the same flight. Until then, there was the French National Workshop and a smaller retreat after that in the mountains, just for group leaders. I can't remember if Marc Bassis's attitude toward me changed in a tangible way. Perhaps he still had hopes of me being his meal ticket in the U.S. His students, however, were very curious about my experience in Japan and particularly what Marc's status was when he went there. He usually presented himself as Aoki's peer. He was to Europe as Aoki was to Japan. I said that this was certainly not the way Aoki or the other Japanese saw it, and that as soon as Mark was put in the position of a student, he managed to either injure himself or suffer an asthma attack, allowing him to be an observer rather than a practitioner. There was some part of the Christian science philosophy I agreed with. Shintaido practice consists equally of leading and following, but Mark seemed no longer capable of the latter both inside and outside practice sessions, and I think that was his tragic flaw. After the national event, four of us headed to the mountains for a private retreat. In addition to Marc and myself, there were Bernard Lepineau and another man whose name I've forgotten. There were some very interesting psychological dynamics in the air. Bernard and I had become good friends, partially because misery loves company, and Mark seemed jealous of this friendship. Deep down, he was quite insecure and alone. Either during or shortly after the retreat, the four of us got into Mark's car to go somewhere. I was reminded of the description of the dynamics between Freud and Jung as the latter was having doubts about his relationship with his sensei, which occasioned some bizarre, perhaps paranormal, events. According to Jung, he felt as if, quote, his diaphragm were made of iron and were becoming a red-hot glowing vault, close quote. 
This was immediately followed by a loud report in the bookcase. He then predicted there would be another, and this occurred. He later split with Freud and was labeled a mystic by the latter's followers. At any rate, a psychic storm was building, and it wasn't long before it burst upon us. As we approached a curve in the country road we were driving on, Mark, usually a very competent driver, inexplicably accelerated instead of braking, and the car veered off the side of the road and began to roll over the side. I was sitting behind Bernard, who was on the passenger side in the front, and remember going limp, expecting to be crushed by steel, awaiting my impending death as I had a few years earlier during my emotional crisis. Instead, the car rolled over once, landed upright, and I was thrown clear onto a lush green pasture. To say it was dreamlike would be an understatement. The only injury was to the person to my left who suffered a broken collarbone. He was really an innocent and unaware bystander to the whole drama and was the only one to be injured. Mark was visibly shaken. He tried to make excuses that he really hadn't accelerated, but the deed was done. After getting the car back on the road, he drove the injured party to the hospital and dropped Bernard and myself off at the train station. It was a somewhat melodramatic but definitive end to my study with Mark. Soon thereafter, the Japanese contingent arrived in France, and I accompanied them to England before flying back to the U.S. By that time, one of my friends at 37 Rue Saint-Paul had married and gone back to America to start teaching corporal mime. I had become very fond of that part of Paris and my Spartan existence there, but I was looking forward to returning home to seeing where my new acquisition would lead me. You've just been listening to Chapter 7 of Michael Thompson's Untying Knots, and this is the Shintaido of America podcast. I'm David Franklin. We're about to hear Chapter 8, but before we get to that, I have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying today's podcast, the most important thing you can do to help out is to tell people about us. I want to give a big shout out to those of you who have already shared the podcast on social media and who gave us a good rating on whichever podcasting app you're using. If you haven't done that yet, it would be great if you could just hit pause and do that right now. Share the podcast on social media and give us a good rating and then hit play again. I'll wait. Okay, thanks. On with the show. Untying Knots, a Shintaido Chronicle by Michael Thompson, Section 2, From East to West, Chapter 8, Where the Heart Is. The Japanese Shintaido group arrived in New York for a few days. I watched them practice in Central Park. For some reason, I didn't join in, probably a little embarrassed at the whole thing, now that I was back on my home turf. They were staying in a real flea-bag hotel near Times Square and took their meals in places like the Flaming Steakhouse nearby. 
I felt a little guilty because I was staying with a friend in the relative opulence of a Long Island suburb, so I decided to spend one night with them in the hotel. Aoki was really fond of getting to the heart of any culture he visited and felt that the best way to do that was to find and meet individuals on the fringes of society rather than wealthy and successful people. It was easier to see what was really going on, and he wanted to show this side of the U.S. to his students. Since I was less interested in this research than they, I decided to head back to Geneva, New York, to see about finding a place to live for a while. A couple of students who had been sophomores when I left were now seniors. They had an apartment in the middle of town and were kind enough to let me sleep on the floor for a few days while I looked for more permanent lodging. One day I ran into an old friend who had graduated from Hobart College and was now working in the promotions department as an editor of college publications. His name was Bill Burtis. We had a lengthy chat about my adventures in France, Shintaido, and my current situation. As luck would have it, he was looking for a roommate to share his apartment, and we quickly settled on the details. He became my first Shintaido student shortly thereafter. The Japanese Shintaidoists were embarking on their Greyhound tour of the U.S., and I agreed to join them on the Massachusetts leg of the trip. I met them in Boston and watched their demonstration in Harvard Yard. Aoki had previously done a Shintaido presentation in Japan at a meeting of the Humanistic Psychology Association. Several attendees were quite impressed and invited him informally to the U.S., so this demonstration was probably arranged by one of those contacts. Unfortunately, the timing was a little off since the student body was away on summer break, so there wasn't a large audience. But, as always, they gave it their best effort and were well received by those present. I think they must have been a bit disappointed that I wasn't of much help. First of all, I was still in a near-vegetative state from my recent experiences in France and Japan, and secondly, I had absolutely no contacts in the academic world, not to mention Harvard. My role was that of an interested but detached observer. We then hopped on a Greyhound bus and proceeded to western Massachusetts, where there was a Christian commune called Spirit in the Flesh that Aoki had visited five years earlier. In fact, that was the first time that Shintaido had been presented in the United States. We arrived late at night and had to call someone at the commune to come and pick us up. While we were waiting, a village policeman came over to inspect us, keeping his German shepherd on a short leash. He wanted to know where we came from and where we were going. They probably didn't get a lot of Japanese tourists in the town of Greenville. When he heard where we were headed, his attitude became noticeably less curious and more hostile and he made it a point to tell us that his dog was ready to rip us to shreds if he let him off the leash. I'm not sure the Japanese understood his words, but there was no mistaking his message. However, he restrained both himself and his dog, and someone from the commune came to take us to more hospitable surroundings. We were not surprised to learn that the commune was not held in too high esteem by the local population. The leader's name was Michael Metallica, a musician, 
and I gathered that his idea was to spread the good news through the medium of rock music. The commune itself was very tightly structured, with the main activity being the raising of the requisite food to feed the thirty or so individuals living there. There were also meetings and services which again revolved around the gospel and rock and roll. While the members seemed very nice, there was something off-putting about their leader. At that point, I was quite sensitive to abuses of power, and it seemed that this was the case here. Michael would arbitrarily banish people from his meetings if they misbehaved and made them sit in the back when they were allowed to return. This seemed all too familiar to me. I wondered if Aoki noticed. I needn't have worried. One night there was a kind of impromptu duel. Michael started by playing his music as if to give us a demonstration of his power. He was a charismatic individual and... While not spellbinding, his expression was intriguing. In the middle of it all, Aoki started leading his students in freely improvised partner practices in which they would begin by attacking him and he would throw them. Soon the formal attacks lost their definition and the movement evolved into a kind of dance consisting of attacking and receiving energy with little or no physical contact. This was the first time I had seen this kind of exercise, and its power and intensity completely eclipsed Michael, whose guitar playing now seemed like elevator music. After about five minutes, it was all over, and there was no doubt who was the winner. I don't think Michael realized this, however, trapped as he was in his own egomania. The next day we left the commune. The Japanese continued on their tour, which was to end in California, and I returned to Geneva to start the next phase of my life. This is the Shintaido of America podcast. You've just been hearing Chapter 8 of Michael Thompson's Untying Knots, and I'm Shintaido instructor David Franklin. We're nearly done, but be sure to listen through to the end of the credits for the cherry. Before the cherry, I'm going to pass the hat around among you who are hearing the sound of my voice and do a bit of busking here on the information superhighway. Shintaido of America is a totally member-supported nonprofit organization, and there are many ways to support our truly micro-budget production of educational materials, and I really mean that. We produce a huge amount of content on volunteer power, but some things just require a few bucks in the bank. So one way is to make a one-time donation in any amount or to become a member of Shintaido of America for $60 per year, if you're hearing this in 2023. It would mean a great deal to our hardworking team. You can do that, sign up for our free email newsletter, and also find all kinds of free educational resources at our website, where you can also find all the previous episodes of this podcast, which is www.shintaido.org. That's www.shintaido.org. That's whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Sierra Hotel, India, November. Tango Alpha, India. Delta Oscar. Oscar Romeo Golf. Got it? You can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook and on YouTube by searching for Shintaido of America, and our email address is podcast at shintaido.org. 
Our episode today was recorded and edited by me, David Franklin, with support from Sarah Baker, Connie Borden, Teresa Soldatova, Jim Sterling, the Joe Zawilski Memorial Fund, and, of course, the members of Shintaito of America. Thank you. Okay, here's the cherry. I knew the soldiers were stronger than I was. I could do nothing to prevent them from pushing me. And so, as if by instinct, I let go and things became very fluid, and I found myself doing wakame taiso, the so-called seaweed exercise. My body becomes soft and lets itself be shoved. A soldier with murder in his eyes runs straight at me. He is much heavier than I am, and he intends to smash into me. Again, I receive the impact safely. I notice that the seaweed exercise has a strong psychological effect on me. I feel no fear. There is no need to resist, and my body knows how to do this instinctively. I don't need to give any commands to my body or consciously calm myself. Sometimes more than one soldier comes at me, and the opening that this creates enables another demonstrator to take my place. That was a quote from Road to Bilin by Aviv Tatarsky in issue number 22 of Body Dialogue, the Shintaito Journal, in 2008. And guess what? You can find back issues of Body Dialogue, as well as previous episodes of this podcast, all for free at our website, www.shintaito.org. Thanks for listening to the Shintaito of America podcast. Contents of this podcast, copyright Shintaito of America 2023. Shintaito, opening to life. 